Great guests, great stories, great listening. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. It's Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. How are you this morning? And uh, how are you this morning, Lauren, my uh, my co-host? What I'm excellent this morning. How are you, Catherine? <laughs> I'm great. Uh, well, you know what I'm going to say, probably. GOP spent $150,000 in donations on Palin's looks. $150,000, I want to know Lauren. what you'd look like if we spent 150000 on you. You'd be amazing. I'd be a babe. I mean, $150,000. <laughs> Uh, I mean, both of us dress really well, don't we? I saw you at a big gathering last week. You did a big presentation. I got all dressed up, but I didn't spend one hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, no, in two months, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Clothing, hair, styling, makeup, makeup, and other quote campaign accessories. This is from the AP, from the Associated Press. Uh, <laughs> Now they're saying the hundred and fifty. Some people, Lauren, don't make a hundred and fifty thousand. Most people don't have an annual income of a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, even a combined income. So, and this Sarah Palin, who touts herself as a Walmart mom's, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not soccer. What's the other thing? She's the um, uh, hockey hockey mom. Hockey yeah. mom, Walmart mom, just like one of you. I don't it, think so. I mean, come on. You know, it, and, and the whole thing has to do with the fact that she really, the duplicitous nature of who she is, duplicitous, 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 because Cindy McCain also wears expensive clothes. They say she wears St. John, but I think Cindy McCain pays for her own clothes and really never set herself, she's not running for vice president. She didn't set herself up for uh, being the, the um, Walmart mom. I'm not even, I don't want to get into defending Cindy McCain, but I don't think, I actually think she's partly responsible for it. It's my own, I'm making it up. But I think, yes, but I think she's partly responsible. I think Cindy McCain really dresses, I mean, I heard she had, I mean, it was somewhere on the news it said she spent $350,000 on her outfit. Just one outfit on the night of the, the Republican campaign. $350,000? Yes, that was including all the jewelry and everything. So she probably had some diamonds and stuff on. So oh, big diamonds. Yeah. Yes, but my sense is that that's you know she said you know you better she said to her husband you better get her cleaned up you know get her looking better. But Lauren, Cindy McCain is not one of us. Cindy Absolutely McCain is worth a hundred million dollars. She generated an income according to her. Um, latest tax return. Latest tax return. Latest tax return, folks. She generated an income of $4 million and paid a $1 million in taxes. That's her money. That's mm-hmm. what she chooses to do with it. Mm-hmm. However, if you're somebody who has donated to the GOP, your $25, your $50, and your money is going to $150,000 outfit hair, just $4,000 makeup. outraged by this, I hear. Uh, I can't, 4.4 million, no, let's see, how much was this? She did for makeup, I think it was $4,000. That's more reasonable. I can understand $4,000 worth of makeup. But you know what? It's not just that. It's not just the clothes. First of all, she didn't have to spend her, uh, not dress, but the jacket apparently that she wore when she gave her speech at the the, uh, uh, Republican convention was Uh worth 
You know how much that was worth? No. Over $2,000, that jacket. Really? Yeah. Over, it, it you found a, some uh, itemized list somewhere. I did find an itemized list. You want to see it? I, I, I do. Mean, okay, because, yeah, that was over $2,000 for the jacket. They didn't even say how much the skirt cost, and I can't remember who the designer was. But before I go into, you know, specifics, and I'm, my question is, does she? why did she have to go and wear these $2,000, $3,000 outfits Maybe she's not going to wear Walmart outfits when she's parading around trying to be vice president. Okay, we'll give her that. Uh, she has to up the ante a little bit, but isn't there a lot in between? There's a lot and in between. What's that designer that women, working women everywhere, very upscale, high-styled, it's everywhere, it's all across the country. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a very popular medium in middle-of-the-road kind of clothes. There's so many. I don't know which one you're talking about. Um, There's lots. Yeah, there is, but this one kind of specializes in like in suits and and for working women, and especially if you have a good figure, it's easy to to fit into them. I have to tell you another thing. I'm watching Java Joe yesterday, Lauren, and because that's all they talked about on the whole program, almost was like was her hundred and fifty thousand dollars spent on her wardrobe. Uh huh. Now this is the difference between men and women. You're gonna get a you're gonna love this. And she, the men, and I think this was really genuine, they're, they're talking and then one of them says, you know what, because they couldn't even imagine $150,000 on, 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 on clothes for, for a two-month period for a woman. But one of them said, well, you know, maybe they just brought the clothes to her and she just kind of pointed them out and, you know, she didn't realize how much they cost. And I thought, any woman no. knows, first of all, you, you have to try the clothes on. You have to try them on in different sizes. It, it, I mean, you, you don't just point to it and then... You, the, you know, you, the dress is, you're going to get the dress or the suit. I mean, it's not like a man's jacket. You know, you wear a certain size, you point it out, you put it on. But I just thought that was so funny because any woman <laughs> knows. And first of all, the way, all women know the difference between going into Walmart and shopping and Neiman Marcus. I mean, I, I don't care who you are, ladies. Absolutely. Am I wrong? And if I anyone know. disagrees with me, hey, you know what? If any of you do disagree with me or Lauren or want to have say something, I'm going to give you the number to call because you can call 866 866- Four seven two five seven eight seven. Catherine and Lauren eight six six four seven two five seven eight seven. I'd love to hear another perspective because I, you and I agree on this topic, and I'm amazed at anybody that would think that this is appropriate spending. I know there's not a, it's not appropriate in my mind. Well, it also may be. Now, this is you know I don't know. There might be some questions about the legality of it because you're not supposed to spend the money, those donations, on personal stuff, and this is real personal. Oh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the campaign, whether she wins or loses, she owns the clothes. She says she's going to devote them to a. Um, <laughs> she's going to devote them to charity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Dress for success. That's a big charity. I guess that would be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> And what do you think of her being able to charge her kids' travel fees on the Alaskan budget? How about that one? And do you know what the, you know what she spent them on? She went to here's this one. I got that one specifically. You're uh, right. You, I've never heard you so fired up, Catherine. Yeah. Well, I just find uh, I guess this whole thing about Sarah Palin and projecting herself as I'm one of you and I'm one of you and I'm a I'm a hockey mom and I'm I'm you know I'm you know, I could be the wife of Joe the plumber, is not true. You know, it's just, it's very, I keep the word duplicitous. I mean, yes. it's just a fake. It's just not true. And I think it kind of characterizes her whole um, the way in which she connects to people because it's really not real, it's fake, it's, it's not artificial. true. Artificial. It's very artificial. Art- yeah, artificial and superficial. All right, you're saying, okay, this is here, you've got that one right, about the uh, when she's Alaska traveling. Um, here it is. 
uh, and this is was uh, this also this was from the Daily News. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, about the tips cited by the Associated Press was a July meeting of the National Governors Association. Palin charged the state. The state, the state of Alaska, the good state of Alaska, the great state of Alaska, those poor people, 600,000 people are up there, I don't know what they do, but whatever, charged the state $2,741.26 to take daughters Bristol and Piper to Philadelphia. Not only did she take them to Philadelphia, the girls had their own room for five nights at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Oh my God! $215.46 a night. Now, Eat. they had their own They couldn't room. fare. They couldn't be in the same room? Couldn't be in the same room. These are her daughters. These, and I, I'm assuming she took them there because she wanted to be with them so she'd have time with her children. So they're staying at the Ritz-Carlton in Philadelphia. Two rooms. The little girls are staying in their own little room at the Ritz-Carlton. They're teenagers. They probably aren't able to get along. Yeah. <laughs> well, what... what no, Piper's the bait. No, she's, oh, she's the, the little one. The little, she's like the, the little one. Oh, oh, yeah, oh that's Piper. crazy. She needs Brist- her own room. Yeah, Bristol's the one who is about to have a baby. Right, she's Piper- the pregnant one. Yeah, she's the pregnant one, and Piper's the baby. So, okay, so that's... Uh, she should be spending time with her sister who can practice. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. Okay, you want, st- you want the specifics. Today's report, this comes from, I have to get, uh, Eleanor Shore in Washington from The Guardian. Okay, Today's report of the Palin family's elaborate spending habits, a $295 pram, as they say in, in, uh, in England, in the U.K., a 200, that's almost a $300 pram, was among the purchases as a treat for baby Trig. This is according oh to Politico.com. And this, uh, as they say, could hurt the Republicans' credibility. It's all about credibility. So, now, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go on. No, no, you go ahead. Finish that. Hey, thought. I'm getting. I am. We got four minutes left. I got to give you a chance. Go on. What? <laughs> I want to. I'm curious about what you're thinking about the credibility. And there was a lot on uh, Larry King last night. Of is she hurting or helping the ticket? What do you think? I think she's hurting the ticket. I heard her speak. Uh, she do the interview with uh, what's his name from the the, the six o'clock news. Yes. But I, we, I can't remember names anymore, but uh, Brian Williams. And they had interviewed McCain and uh, Sarah Palin last Together, right? That was the interview they did together because he won't let her speak by herself, that one? Ahmadinejad. Ahmadinejad. That's the only foreign leader she knows. However, she <laughs> called him. She called him, Lauren, a dictator. Ahmadinejad is not a dictator. He was an elected official. Oh, my God. He is not a dictator. Her knowledge her is so... Skewed or... Skewed is being nice. It's not skewed. It isn't it's there. Un- it's not educated. She talked about being the vice president. What does the vice president That one I read do? about. Oh, craziness. In other words, she has a the vice president oversees the Senate is what I read. Not only she said that the vice president is involved in policymaking with the, with, with the Senate. Absolutely not. And Chris Matthews went on and on. He said instead of spending $150,000 on a wardrobe, spend $50,000 or whatever to give her a copy of the Constitution so she can read it and understand the duties and responsibilities of the Vice President of the United States. I was thinking of a governmental tutor, like someone that knows really a lot about the government but gets one-on-one tutoring. That might be a very wise investment. Lauren, it's fifth It's fifth grade. It's fifth, It's probably fourth grade. Exactly. I mean, you're, Sierra, your preschooler is going to learn it in a couple years. Like, oh, what I have a good Sierra story for you that's political. You want to hear it? Yeah, go ahead. I went to go vote the other day, and she was all excited she was going to go with me. And... Um, 
I said, we're going to go vote for Barack Obama. She says, we're going to go to his house? So we get there, and there's a long line here in Texas. The early voting is very, everybody's into it. They're voting early. I don't know what that means, but I'm hoping it's going to mean a blue state for first time ever. I could be wrong. But anyway, so um, she, I couldn't take her in because she kept saying, Barack Obama, Barack Obama. So I thought that there was no way that I could take her into a voting booth. We'd get thrown out, so I had to vote by myself yesterday. That's a great story. Oh, you train your children well. Remember that song? <laughs> Teach your children well. You have taught your daughter well. I have. Thank yeah. you. But you had to get her out of the bo- out of town. I couldn't. I had to send her to school and then go vote the other day. So and you know, at school, you know what she's going to say because they always talk about stuff they're not supposed to. I don't know if now they are. We were able to talk about uh, politics. And it's school, a little but- different now than it was when we were in school. But she's going to be there. They're going to give you. You're going to get a call on the phone. I know. You're going to have to control your daughter, uh, Ms. (laughs) Ms. Deller Blake, because she's talking. You know, screaming out uh, Barack Obama. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. When he wins, it'll be fine. It'll be great when he wins. And uh, but don't get complacent. I got more stories to tell you what I did last weekend. We got 30 seconds left, so we're going to take a break. Lauren Deller, Catherine Zox, Voice America Women's Network. Not for long, because we're going to be on Voice America soon. Coming up next, Everyday Survival, Why Smart People Do Stupid Things. Lawrence Gonzalez will be back in a minute. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion. And we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio. Voice America Women's Radio Network. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Feeling overworked? Overwhelmed? Do you feel like you could use a getaway right about now? Have we got a show for you? It's called De-Stress Radio, and this show will help you take control of the stress in your life. Join hosts Robin Siegel and Marin Vertok every week. They'll motivate you to attain balance in both your personal and professional life. You'll want to share each episode with those important to you. Listen for De-Stress Radio with Robin and Marin every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Holistic health and well-being covers many facets, including stress, time management, weight loss, cardiovascular training, and aging. And that's just to name a few. Your life without limits will help to sort it all out for you. Join host Joe Sardi and the top minds in holistic health and well-being for an educational and entertaining hour. Listen for Your Life Without Limits. Heard every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. 
You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning. Catherine Zox with Lauren Bell, our Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a microphone. And in this half hour is our guest, Lawrence Gonzalez, an everyday author of Everyday Survival, Why Smart People Do Stupid Things. I guess that's what we've been talking about on the show all morning. Anyway, trouble, <laughs> says Gonzalez, will come to find us all, and it always does. No question about that. He's the author of Deep Survival and returns with another uh, his first book, bestseller, returns with a work that explores how we can best use the lessons of our evolutionary history to overcome the hazards of everyday life. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, actually, Lawrence uh, teaches at uh, Northwestern University, where my son goes. Just got an MFA, I have to tell him, in uh, in film, and uh, he's well. He's on the line right now. I, Lawrence, how are you this morning? Good, thank you. Was this a surprise? Pardon me. <laughs> well, excuse me. I've been doing a lot of a lot of radio and television lately. So All right. So you confused. forgot? Do we blame you because uh, you know my board up says, well, he he never even knew he's supposed to be on. But okay, they forgot to tell you. But I'm glad you're here anyway. Well, I think I think it was my fault. I I had just not written it on my calendar. And, All right. So we can blame you. That's okay. Yes, you can blame yeah. me. All right. We can. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a smart su- person doing a stupid thing. Yeah, right. Okay, there we go. Everyday survival. Why do smart people do stupid things? Tell us the premise of the book. It's divided into two different parts, right? Um, first part is what? Well, it's it's not actually divided, but it, it goes from one type of subject matter to another. In the beginning, I start out with really small errors that, that people make, and I analyze how these how these mistakes are made by the natural systems that we've evolved in our brains for processing information. <clears throat> and I can go into that if you like. And, and in the second part, I go into more fundamental principles of science that lie behind everything that we do. For example, in the universe, as we understand it, everything comes with a cost. There's no free lunch. So whenever you do something, you have to pay for it. And you pay for it in what's known as entropy. So the the more ahead you think you're getting, the more behind you're really getting in many cases. All right, so Lawrence, put that in everyday terms for us. Give us an example. Um, an example is this. Let's say you get up in the morning, you pick up your hair dryer, and you dry your hair. That seems like a perfectly normal, natural thing and, and a, a real treat to have such a device. But what's actually happening when you do that is somebody somewhere else is burning coal in order to make that electricity and that coal puts carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, and it puts mercury into the atmosphere, too, which is a poison. And so whereas you're making this neat little um, you know, decoration of having pretty hair, you're also causing a lot of chaos somewhere else. And so every time we do something, especially in an advanced culture like ours, um, you're paying for it, usually in some unseen way. And this, so, as I understand it in your book, and just going along with what you're saying, there's kind of a disconnect in like modern man. We don't think that we are part of the universe somehow. Right. You know, we can blow our hair and dry it every day and have all the lights on we want and, our, and right. use all this electricity, and it just has to do with us, but we're not connected to the rest of the natural world. Is that what you're saying? And we get really yes. making a huge mistake, like global warming, for instance. Yes, and, and part of the point of it is that in order for us to survive going into the middle of this century, the next few decades, and have a nice life like we have right now, we're going to have to start thinking of our position in the universe differently because there's too many people on Earth for us to just keep doing what we're doing. It takes 
if you're just standing there doing nothing, it takes about 100 watts of power to, to run your body, to make your metabolism work. That's about how much energy a person uses. In the United States, we each use 10,000 watts. That's like having 100 100 watt light bulbs burning in your house every day, all day. Um, and that's just silly. It takes about a gallon of water to sustain a person a day, in a day, and, and not even that for most of us sedentary types. But we each use about 75 or 80 gallons every day of clean water, drinkable water. These kinds of things can't continue into the future because there's just too many people. Everybody in China wants to live the way we live, too, and there's 1.2 billion people there ready to buy a car. All right, so then what do we do? How do we make the connection? How do we, you know, because uh, we don't seem to be doing that. Well, uh, you know, the of, price of fuel goes down and all of a sudden everything's fine again. It's yeah. related just to the cost, but then we go out and now we're going to go out and buy more SUVs and just continue on the same downward spiral in terms of using up energy that we did before. We don't seem to learn. Right, and, and my hope in writing Everyday Survival is to educate people a little bit about how the universe works and how it really does affect us and hope that by reading this, people will change the way they look at things. I know it's changed the way that I look at things I do every day. What do you do differently? (laughs) Just simple things like, you know, when I take out the garbage, I used to never think about it. I'd take it out, throw it away, turn my back, never another thought about it. Now I, I began to think, wow, I'm throwing all these, things away that are beautifully manufactured products that are still perfectly good. I go to the store, I buy a little box of blueberries, and it comes in this transparent plastic case that if you'd given it to somebody 5,000 years ago, they would have thought it was an amazing treasure. You know, it's a remarkable object, and it's perfectly good, and I toss it away. Well, what this type of thinking has done is I no longer throw those things in the garbage. I recycle all that stuff, and, and even that, you know, is, is problematic. But at least there's some movement toward something more rational. Do you ever think, Lawrence, about not buying the stuff? See, I'm sort of yeah. getting into that. Like, I don't buy it anymore because yeah. of all that plastic. I'm not sure how good that is, though, for the retail business. I mean, uh, is that you know, if you're not spending money, uh, that could be a problem for the economy. But I find that I, I now take a look. Uh, you know, I have. To, I did read your book, and it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't. Why do I need to buy this plastic? I yeah, don't need exactly. it. Exactly. And and I do the same. Much, for example, nobody I know now uses grocery bags anymore. They bring their own. Yeah. Because what do you do? You know, you go to the grocery, you get a bag, you throw it away. It's like, what's the point? Um, and even when I do it, let's take it one step back. I, Lauren, I just heard you say, yeah, so you definitely don't, uh, you bring your own bags, right? I try yeah. to remember when I don't, I feel really guilty. That's the point. Me too. That's what I'm trying to say, and I think yeah. this is a good point. I start, I, when I don't do it, I feel guilty, which is at right. least, I'm getting there emotionally, uh, on the road anyway. Right, and, and that is, I believe that we have to go beyond simple things like telling people what to do. We have to actually educate them in their minds so that they're not just following a prescription. They're really having a new understanding of the universe and the world they live in. And that really is my attempt in everyday survival, not to give people a list of ten things to do, but to change their the way they view the world. So what are you doing for the children? Because it seems to me, you start with the old folks, okay, we can do certain things, but we are programmed, and you do talk about that in the book, too. I mean, we've been programmed, you know, depending on how old you are, uh, but at least for me, over 50 years. So I ha- don't you need to start with programs in, in elementary school so the kids have a different way of, of responding to their world and seeing their place and, and, the, yes. and the responsibility they have? Yeah. Well, I, I teach, uh, we have a five-year-old, and I teach him these things, 
and I have two uh, daughters in their 20s, and, and they understand these things very much. Their, their generation seems very much in touch with this, um, you know, trying to get away from a throwaway society. And in answer to what you said about retailers suffering, there would be a period of adjustment, but there's no reason, for example, to sell cereal in cereal boxes because all you do is throw those boxes away. There has to be a better way of distributing food than than through all the packaging that that we uh, produce and and then toss onto a landfill. But doesn't that have to do with marketing in a capitalist society? Always making things look pretty and inviting, and yes. packaging is the whole thing, and color and shape and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's the concept from the 1950s, yes, and it did work for a time, um, but we didn't count the cost. And now that we are, I hope, getting smarter people will begin to demand other ways of, of getting served. I mean, instead of asking a company to trick you into buying something, which is essentially what packaging is, it's lying to you. Um, you know, if you go to places, in lots of places in Europe, you know, people actually buy the food. They, they don't buy the package. They buy the food. Of course, there's packaging in Europe, but it's much more common to find markets where, where there's food. Yeah, there's real food there, and the food looks attractive in and of itself. Oh. You're right. I mean, you buy herbs and spices and all kinds of things. It's a, um, that's true. So if you, you go if if you go to a small town, a rural town in Spain or France, and live there for a month, and then come back to the United States and walk into the supermarket, you'll be stunned. I mean, it's culture shock. You'll think, "Where's the food?" <laughs> you know? And and so that's why people are moving toward this, you know, eating local foods, for example, because. Every calorie you consume costs 15 calories to produce. So, so what are you doing to your – okay, now we're talking – this is somewhat of an intellectual conversation. We're adults, we're grown-ups, and you said you have a 5-year-old and two 20-year-olds, and they understand that, that they have to change their habits and, and do these kinds of things. But, so, but a 5-year-old, what do you teach – what specifically do you do with your 5-year-old that will make he, him or her realize their responsibility to the environment – well, he understands already the difference between garbage and recycling. You, you know, there should be a label on your garbage can that says this is going to the dump or even the incinerator in some towns um, and a label on your recycling bin that says this is going to be reused because that's what, you know, that's the basic concept. You reuse something. And he understands that. He knows where things go uh, and what doesn't go in the trash. He also understands just basic social responsibility, like you don't throw stuff out the car window. If he sees somebody <laughs> doing that, you know, he'll say, oh, my gosh, that person littered. You know, look at that. We've got to go pick that up. But there's a kind of social responsibility that underlies this, which goes like this. If we don't stop doing these kind of things, if we don't modify our behavior, when Jonas, my five-year-old, reaches retirement age, he may be experiencing the largest die-off of human beings in history because there won't be enough stuff to go around, and there won't be enough water to drink. That's a very scary prediction already. What do we, I mean, we're buying our water. Soon we'll be buying our air. Um, exactly. Do you know that people pay? I mean, this is, this is one of the reasons I say why smart people do stupid things, and I hope people read this book, Everyday Survival, because it will help make you smarter. People pay more for bottled water than they pay for gasoline per mm -hmm. gallon. My brother told me that a few months ago, and I was I was stunned. Yeah, it comes out of your tap perfectly clean. Anybody in Africa would be delighted to have the water that comes out of your tap, and yet we buy bottled water, and we pay more than gasoline. So what kind of thinking is that? It's not thinking, is what yeah. my point in the book is. It's not thinking. 
Well, then we need to buy the book so that we do begin to think, and we've got 30 seconds left. So Everyday Survival, Why Smart People Do Stupid Things, Lawrence Gonzalez, lawrencegonzalez.com. You have a website, but there's another website where you can buy the book, amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's, it's out everywhere. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show. You're doing really good stuff. Good work. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Catherine Zox, Lauren Deller, Voice America Women's Network. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Today's professional woman is confronted by outrageous advertising and cultural pressures that assume how a woman should look and behave. The show Women, Food, Sex, and Power, Rekindling Your Fire, will finally challenge these seriously flawed assumptions and discuss daring alternatives. Join host Bethany Gagné for an authentic reflection of the modern woman every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Hey, y'all. This is Stephen Cochran. As a country artist, I have traveled around this great country of ours, often meeting our brave men and women in uniform. And as a Marine and veteran of both the Iraq and Afghan conflict, I know how important it is to thank our troops who defend our freedom each and every day. One of the best ways to thank them is to give their children and spouses the gift of education. Scholarships for two years, four years, and vocational school. This is exactly what a national charity, Thanks USA, does. Please go to their website, www.thanksusa.org, to make a generous donation to the Thanks USA Scholarship Fund for the families of the troops, and I thank you. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Sancho, social worker with a microphone with Lauren Beller, Voice America Women's Network. And by the way, we are moving on up to Voice America, which is the flagship station. We're going to be doing the show on Wednesday, same time, Eastern, 10 to 11, Pacific, 7 to 8. But it's going to be on Wednesdays, folks, instead of Thursdays. So not too big a time change there. Uh, I think we're also on other stations, too, the Health and Wellness Station on uh, Voice America or on that network, too. So, Lauren, what do you think? Lauren, uh, you know... What I didn't get to ask Lawrence what he thought about uh, spending $150,000 on clothes. How does that fit into our survival I think you mechanism? know the answer to that question. <laughs> I got one more thing. I have to do a Palin thing again. I'm sorry. Uh, Palin's makeover, and this is, again, back to that U.K. article, Lauren, yep. was not limited to attire. According to a lengthy story, 
which is due to be published this weekend in the New York Times, folks. You know, that left-wing liberal newspaper. (laughs) Non-American. Oh, by the way, she apologized for that non-American or you're not a good American comment that she made. Did you know that? I did hear that. Yeah, she said, I guess, insinuating that if you are a liberal Democrat, you are not really an American. So Palin says she's really sorry for a real America comment. And she didn't mean it the way it sounded. Yeah, well, I heard it. It didn't mean it that way. And I'm I'm unforgiving. (laughs) The vice presidential hopeful worked with Priscilla Shanks, a voice coach and Hollywood actor, just one of you guys, you know, to help refine her speaking style before her speech at the Republican convention. So she had done a lot of work before that Republican convention, a lot of work. That's very interesting, and yes. I find it interesting that that's where they're spending the money on her versus really educating her on what you know where she could be headed. What what a vice president does. <sighs> Federal campaign finance law prohibits the use of can, candidate campaign funds for personal use, including clothes. Oh, it says that you found that. Well, that's somewhere. what I read. I mean, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but a quirk in the law has no such restrictions on the use of party money. For such expenses. Interesting. So, so, what does that mean? If they say, I guess that's like a loophole, right? I don't know how that works. You can't use campaign federal campaign money is different than party money, I guess. Oh wait, that could be. So um, maybe it doesn't count if you're from Alaska. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you're right. So who do you think would make? Uh, here's a question for you. Who do you think would make the best first lady? Oh, God, I, that's, that's a no-brainer for me. I think the authentic woman that's educated and is raising her kids well and they sound intelligent and grounded and, you know, it's a no-brainer, Catherine. Could that be Michelle Obama? Because Michelle Obama, I think she'd be a great first lady. And I just, I think what it would do for America is just, she's a role model in every way. Yeah, she is. I think so, too. I agree. She's got two daughters, uh, nine and six, so she's going to have to... Um, when she already did, I guess, talk to Hillary Clinton, you know, in terms of raising your daughters she in the did, White actually. House. She did, actually. And also Hillary, um, Hillary's daughter, what's, um, what's her name? Chelsea. Chelsea. It's a Chelsea also, morning. Chelsea yeah. met with the girls. Oh, she did? The, the two moms met, and, the, and Chelsea either offered or already did meet with the girls. Isn't that cute? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> On what life will be like, because she's about the right age. I think she's, you know... I don't Chelsea, know. Maybe. I know how old she is. She's the old. She's the age of my middle son. She's twenty-eight. So, how old was she when she was in the White House as a well, daughter? Let's say that was ten years ago. She was eighteen. She was in high school, I guess. Well, okay, right? So or she's she was a little bit older than these girls will be. Yeah, yeah. Although nine-year-old, that's quick to you know. Soon she'll be in well, at least middle school, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess the thing about the being the first lady, uh, um, there is no job description. So each one of the first ladies has to decide for herself how she's going to handle it and what role she wants to take. Um, now listen to this, because everybody thinks that there's just a first lady is the wife or the spouse of the president, and that's not necessarily true. Well, it's been, just, that's the requirement, right? Well, history shows that, and this, uh, I get my information, I don't know where I got this from, something, oh, this was on AOL. Okay. Because you're addicted to this campaign and you can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, history shows, and I'll, then I'll stop, because I have to tell you something. History shows that the 53 women who have served in the post of, of, you know, first lady, have taken widely varied paths defining defined by their times, their personalities, their health, and the state of their marriages. Because the first lady has sometimes been a wife, it's been a daughter, a daughter-in-law, a niece, or a sister. 
Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Well, because you know how we are. We have not a good sense of history. We just think about the past presidencies that we know of. It's very true. Yeah, and if you go before the 1900s, women died. Uh, I think there was one bachelor who was a president. Uh, one guy came in, and he had his two daughters, as I remember. I can't remember which president, but you can you can Google it, look it up, look it up on Wikipedia, and you'll find that, yeah, the daughters were the ones who, I forgot which president it was, they were the ones who uh, were the first ladies. So first lady doesn't necessarily mean first spouse. I didn't know that. But yeah, in this I, case, in either one of our presidents, and I really hope that obviously it's Barack Obama, then it would be his wife. Yeah, it would be his wife, and as you say, she's a she's an attorney. Um, she's young. She's dynamic. She's smart. Uh, she probably, you know, she's kind of the Hillary to me. Uh, very much the Hill goes in the Hillary Clinton vein, and uh, she's going to have a lot to offer. I mean, I guess the president so far the the uh, president's wife who had the most uh, who was in the limelight the most, and who did who was out there was Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, so she was, and the, Harry Truman's wife, I guess, was the one who was the least out there. She said she just needed to stand by her husband and make sure that her hat didn't blow off. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she everybody was another has generation, a purpose, right? Yeah, I think that's very funny. Well, that's neither one of these ladies. That's not going to be the issue. I don't no, think. I don't anyway. think. So. I think actually that Michelle Obama will run for president in about twenty years. I'm only joking. <laughs> You're jumping the gun. Well, before you jump, Lauren, before you go ahead to Michelle, can I tell you what I did this weekend with my boyfriend Barry? I'd love to know. We went to Pennsylvania. We you went to the swing state. The election. Yes, we did. I, you know, I go every day to Barack Obama's uh, website. They yep. needed people in Pennsylvania. Door to door, we went to seventy houses. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, it was great. Small town America, Pikes County, Pennsylvania is one of those McCain places, and so we went there. Barack Obama is so well organized, folks. If yeah. you're, if you need a president who's who, not only smart, because you can be smart and not necessarily well organized, you can be chaotic. He is so well organized. Yeah. I mean, we had the right pamphlets to give to the right people if they were interested in health care, if they were interested in their taxes in Pennsylvania. We had a whole sheet that told you how much he would give you in terms of a tax break if you made $140,000 a year, 70000 single mother with two kids, and, and very specific in what John McCain wouldn't do. I think his thing, and I, I was going to have it for the show this morning, was his big tax break is to the oil companies. Right. <laughs> Which is craziness. It's, yeah. it's yesterday's, um, yesterday's issues. Lauren, we met so many different kinds of people. So really. what was the experience? What did people say? It was, uh, you know, first, I feel, you know, I always respect people's privacy, so it was an issue for me, really, to... I can, I, it's totally out of your comfort zone. Yeah, totally. You're so right, because I had a knock on the door. So Barry and I drive up, we go up into the hills, and everybody has houses, and it's in the Delaware Water Gap, so a lot of people w- work in New Jersey, so they buy houses less expensive in this particular town. Uh, it's uh, wonderful people. Milford, Pennsylvania. And if you're listening, Milford, Pennsylvania people, you are wonderful, so go out and vote for Barack Obama. <laughs> um, we had a little training session, 15-minute training session, got in our car, went up to our, like, place We, you know, you have a... I like uh, a community that is yours. Yeah, a community. And it was just the two of you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. They send people out in twos. They like you to go in twos. Uh, and it's wise, because this is kind of rural, and so we park the car. I said, don't park all the way in the driveway. Park at the end of the driveway. We walk up. I'm the one who goes up the steps, because physically, you know, look at me, five feet tall, whatever. You're not, so in- you're not feeling so uh, invasive. Yeah. Barry's like a big guy, so he sort of stood in the background. 
And, uh, well, we go up there, and the, well, we only had one person, Lauren, one guy, one guy who looked at us and slammed our door, slammed the door in our face. Really? But, yeah, fortunately that was like after we had done a whole bunch, so I didn't care. But in the beginning, we met the gamut from single moms to nine-year-old single, a woman, to uh, a couple who's, like, he was 88 years old. He said, you know, my wife is voting for Obama, but I'll talk to you because I'm on the fence. Great. And, oh, my yeah. God. So we talked to him because he was concerned about the, uh, you know, the economy, economy, economy. That's really what kept coming up in different ways, economy, yeah. economy, economy. And he said, you know, he just needed to, I said, well, you want, uh, you know, eight, four more years of the same stuff. Our economy just tanked. And then I said, I see in the driveway that you are uh, uh, a vet. <laughs> From world, <laughs> you're being a detective too. I was definitely as you. I got into that after a while. You walk up, you can tell a lot about people if you just look at their yard. You know if they have kids, if they don't have kids. Uh, you know how many cars they have. You know how much oil they're burning or gas or whatever. So do you think and, that he had an allegiance to John McCain because he was a vet? He was a vet. He was a World War II vet. I think maybe. I said I just want to leave you with one thing. You were a World War II vet. Think about it, Sarah Palin, Commander in Chief. He didn't say anything. Then, <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, you, you want to hear about? Well, here's another one. I mean, I got so excited about doing this, folks. You know, if you want to work for Obama, get out there. Just go online, BarackObama.com. Actually, they just called me. I got a message this morning on my phone that they're looking for people to make phone calls for any time this weekend. Just come down to their offices, bring your cell phone, bring your laptop. They'll give you a list. They'll tell you what to say. They want you for an hour to five. You know. See, you'd be great for that because you're a radio personality, and it's now you, you know it's easy to talk on the phone. I think it's more difficult to talk on the phone actually than seeing people in person. I thought they were going to slam the door in our face, really, and and they had had three or four other people who had gone before us. We were some of these we were coming back to because they wow. were on the fence, and we had whether they were Republicans, Democrats, or you know independents. And one guy, young guy, very smart guy. Uh, works for a pharmaceutical company, wife a Republican. She didn't come out. He said, you know, I think I'm going to vote for Obama. He said, I'm soon going to be making probably a quarter million dollars a year, so you have to tell me about the tax or the tax breaks on that. He said, but I have to tell you something. Four or five other groups have been here before. I said, oh, my God, he's going to tell us, you know, get the hell out. <laughs> with he Obama said, or with just generally with the election? For Obama. For oh, Obama. Really? So, so they're yes, speaking so Lawrence, very persistent. This, you know what he said? He said, look. I've had a, the college kids came. There were a couple of women, a couple of other groups. Now you too. He said, you know what? Barack Obama cares about my vote. John McCain hasn't been here. He doesn't care. Wow. So it was not what I thought. You know, it wasn't like get off my steps and get in your car and don't ever come. No, quite the opposite. I'm impressed. I'm yeah. impressed with you for doing what you did. Also, Lauren, you'll love this. There are many women who were at working, and their boyfriends or husbands were at home, <laughs> and those are the guys we spoke to, which was interesting. So women are out there doing everything. Uh, it was, just, I, you know, at least, I don't know, five or six houses. Very funny. Oh, and Joe Biden. They love Joe Biden because it's Pennsylvania. Right. So, you know, I did emphasize it is, it is a team. It's a team. It's Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Interesting. It's, um, so, so how many of you think were um, just generally Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, and what was your sense of who they were voting for overall? 
my sense is the ones who were Republicans wanted to vote for Obama, but maybe were feeling guilty like they shouldn't, but they really, the push was to do that. They're really, really dissatisfied with the last four years, and I don't think they see too much of a difference, you know, for somebody who voted 90% of the time with George Bush, which is John McCain. And, right. and I think that, you know, all of them had a real sense of that and really concerned with the economy really concerned and that we you know it's tanked and what are they going to do and how you know from 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 young as i say single mothers to single women 90 years old i mean we it ran the gamut of all different guys we got if we have 30 seconds <laughs> do you think it's going to be a land flood i hope so <laughs> you know cnn used that word this morning yeah i love it Catherine zox and lauren Deller on voice america women's network we'll be back in a minute Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Hey, Ranger, why do you have to remind people to be careful with fire? Well, Mr. Mountain Lion, sometimes people need to be reminded about certain things, like not to run with scissors or let children play with wild dingoes, and to be responsible for fires they start. So what you're saying is that people can be careless and forgetful? Pretty much. <laughs> that makes me very sad. Sounds like someone needs a hug. Back off or I'll turn your hat into confetti! Remember, only you can prevent wildfires. A public service message from Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ag Council. Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors? How about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug dependent, prescription drug dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine, and cocaine addiction. Do you have a chronic pain problem? There is another way out. Tune in each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a new prescription for health with Dr. Richard Gracer on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Great guests, great stories, great listening. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning. Catherine Zox on Voice America Women's Network with Lauren Deller. Lauren and I are going to talk to uh, Jess Weiner. I've had Jess on the show before. Uh, she is going to talk to us. She's here right now. The high price of low self-esteem, solutions for combating a national self-esteem crisis. This is uh, based on a report that came out this month. And uh, as most of you know, 
Uh, Jess Wiener is a self-esteem expert. You've seen her on the Today Show, Oprah, all the, uh, you know, uh, what else? I don't know. That's enough. And the (laughs) best-selling author of A Very Hungry Girl and Life Doesn't Begin Five Pounds from Now. So she really is the expert. What is this? This is a, this is really kind of, uh, shattering news, I guess, this whole, uh, self-esteem, low self-esteem. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Jess. How are you? Hi, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Okay, so what is this all about? I mean, they did a study, and uh, give us some of the statistics. Young girls, what, 7 to 17 have very, in in the United States, uh, 75% of the girls have low self-esteem. Right, well, the Dove Self-Esteem Fund conducted this national report on self-esteem crisis in girls, and seven in ten girls, seventy. Can they? Tell, I got to tell my board op to turn it up because I can't okay. hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, but it's not real loud. Just make okay. or scream into the microphone or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. I will scream. No, that's good from the from the rooftop. All um, right, now you sound great. You sound really good. Okay, so explain this whole study to us. Okay, so the Dove Self Esteem Fund conducted this national report on girl self esteem, and what they came up with was that seven in ten girls don't feel like they measure up in their school, in their relationships, in their friendships. And what that really means is, in addition to 70% of girls not feeling like they're good enough, 75%, as you indicated, 75% of girls with low self-esteem have already engaged in negative behaviors, like eating disorders, cutting and mutilation, uh, bullying, smoking. So not that they're going to do these behaviors, but that they already have engaged in these behaviors when they have low self-esteem. That's what we're calling the high price. The fact is, when girls don't feel good enough, they take very risky actions. They engage in negative behaviors that can have a lasting impact on their lives. That is really scary. And Jess, what about this this cutting thing? I had ne- I had never heard of that. I mean, I've heard of it, but I I just didn't realize that that was something that was quite prevalent with girls, especially in middle school, as I understand it. So these girls who don't feel good about themselves, what, they start cutting their, themselves up? Like It's almost like it's not a suicide attempt, but it's a cry for help? It is definitely a cry for help. It's really hard to wrap, I think, our logical minds around what would make a girl take you know, a razor blade to her skin and, 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 and express herself like that. But we're finding more and more, and I've certainly been out on the, on the road for the past 15 years hearing about this, for a long time, but now these numbers, like 25% of girls with low self-esteem, resort to injuring themselves because they have low self-esteem. And why we ha- why why that is the connection is because this is their way to express the deep, deep, deep pain that they're feeling, hopelessness that they might be feeling, isolation that they might be feeling, and it is becoming a very common, unfortunately, a very common way that girls are expressing this pain. So it's very important that. We, we try to understand it, and most of all, we take action around it. Because if you're a non-cutter and you're not a teenager, you may think, well, what's that about? But when you're a little girl with an enormous amount of pain and feeling like you don't fit in in the world, unfortunately, that is becoming a behavior girls are engaging in. All right, what about this? Because you're talking about the cutting and that kind of stuff, but there's also other ramifications of having negative feelings in terms of your self-esteem. And one of them is this disordered eating stuff, the stuffing, the starving, overeating, throwing up. Isn't that another one of the negative effects of low self-esteem? Absolutely. Disordered eating has become such a common issue in this country. I think you and I have talked about this before. Yes. It becomes something, you know, everybody has a very, uh, you know, screwed up relationship with food. <laughs> So for girls in particular with low self-esteem, um, they're resorting to behaviors to either fill up or 
to kind of purge out those feelings or they have very erratic relationships around food. And again, why that's important, disordered eating, extreme dieting, those are precursors to severe eating disorders. So, Jess, what do we, I mean, where does this come from? I mean, all the, where, you know, we think we're doing the, I know parents think they're doing the great stuff for their kids, giving every, giving them everything they never had. But, you know, you wind up with these startling statistics about low self-esteem in these young girls. Where does it come from? Well, I think these statistics should certainly, should certainly serve as a wake-up call for us, anybody who's got a girl in their life. And where they come from is that, there are multiple variables of influencers out there. When we're talking about girls from ages 8 to 17, you've got every experience under the sun from puberty to first dates to, you know, school pressures to uh, peer pressures. So they're experiencing a lot of the requisite growing up issues. But we find that some of the key influences on their self-esteem are the people closest to them, their family. For instance, if a mother is talking about her body shape or her beauty in a negative way, She's most likely going to be passing that down. In fact, 57% of girls in this report say that they have a mother who criticizes her own looks. That's over half of the girls. What about mothers? And I thought of a different scenario where you're talking, Jess. Like, what about mothers who have a good figure? What about mothers who are attractive? And then they may have daughters who perhaps aren't, and I'm putting attractive in parentheses, but perhaps not as attractive as their mothers uh, or don't see themselves as, phys- as physically as attractive to right. their mothers. What does that do? The, kind of the same thing, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very similar scenario, and I think sometimes we then as, as parents have to remember to talk about genetics, the role of genetics. I mean, you can be in a family and not look anything like your mother, take completely after your father, and certainly that's going to cause a little bit more pressure for, for girls in, in their relationship to their self-esteem. I think the key, though, Catherine, is that communication consistent and often with girls is what we really need because sometimes moms assume they know what's going on or they think they know what's going on, but we have to really take those steps to have the communication. In fact, girls in this report, their number one wish was that they had better communication with their parents around this issue. So, Jess, when you say often, what are we talking about? I mean, do you sit down and, you know, it's hard to communicate with teenage girls. I know. I know there's parents out there that are like, okay, are you kidding me? My 14-year-old slams the door and rolls her eyes. Like, exactly. There's no talking. I don't think it needs to be a punitive conversation, <laughs> and it doesn't need to be sort of the hallmark conversation. I think, you know, you have to find teachable moments in everyday life. So if you're driving with your daughter to the mall to run an errand to school and you see a billboard and it's pretty racy, instead of just ignoring it or having the thought and keeping it to yourself, engage her in conversation. Ask her, you know, what, what does that mean to you? What does that look like to you? You don't want to sound like you're giving her the grand inquisition, but you want to use the real-life moments as openers for conversation. Yes. You're sitting you down it- and watching the same show. Talk about the actresses on television. Do you think they're too thin? Do you think there's only one version of beauty out there? Use what's around you guys to have that conversation. And, Jeff, to go along with what you're saying, that means you also have to be there so you have those moments. You can't be, you know, running, I mean, let's face it, it's very difficult for a lot of women, part-time, working full-time, whatever, come home, have dinner, you know, you're all routinized. If you don't spend some time, then you're not going to have the opportunity to talk, like you're saying. Absolutely. And, you know, listen, everybody right now, especially in this state of our economy, is going to be focused on a lot of issues in their life and perhaps taking on other jobs. I think this shouldn't be looked at, again, as something too prescriptive or something that they have to do. I want moms and mentors and teachers out there because everybody can make a difference in the life of a girl, not just parents. So we want everybody who comes in contact with a girl to think about ways just to enhance their relationships with girls. 
Um, so that you're having these conversations, they should try to feel easy and natural. And you're right, you have to find the time. You have to make the time to do that. Great advice. So now if we want to have, and, and there are some very specific things you can do, you know, some, what we've been talking about and even some more things, but free self-esteem building tools for girls and, as you say, moms, mentors, available to download at campaignforrealbeauty.com. Definitely. And we're on a 20-city tour right now across the country doing workshops, training the trainers, training people who work with girls on how to give these workshops because we have a big goal with Dove. We want to reach 5 million girls with self-esteem workshops by the year 2010. So what if somebody's listening, women who are listening or mentors or moms or grandmothers want to get involved, what do they do, call you or, and where are you? <laughs> they, go to, they go to, don't call me. <laughs> they, go to, they, go to camp, they go to com. They have everything they'll need there, including our tour days, workshop materials, as you mentioned. And also, they've got some interactive exercises for parents of younger girls who want to start this conversation as young as eight years old. There are some interactive tools online as well. So it's all at campaignforrealbeauty.com. Jess Wiener, thanks so much. Great talking to you again. Thanks again, Kathy. Yeah, good luck. Good Bye. work. Right? Yeah, Lauren, there you are. You could. You. Uh, you this is something that. Uh, you know, you have a daughter. I do. Yeah, and I yeah. love what she's up to. Yeah, exactly. And this is the kind of thing you have to. Well, I guess you have to really be aware of this. Anyway, campaignforrealbeauty.com. Any listeners? Anybody wants to get involved in this this Dove self esteem campaign? Jess Wiener. Lauren and I are going to have to say goodbye, and uh, we'll have more news on. Uh, I guess uh, Sarah Palin next week. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great week. Thanks.